Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess we should probably start with gas. Get that out of the way. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Red 5 standing by. I am Iron Man. I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I am Groot. Hello there. Yes, I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. If you step out that door, you are an Avenger. That's what we call ourselves, sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Superhero landing. She gonna do a superhero landing. Wait for it. I could do this all day. Folks, welcome back to Movie Punditry after a bit of a hiatus. Had to do some reorganizing. Uh, Mr. Mike, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing well. It's been a hectic uh, couple of weeks um, with uh, us moving and me being sick, but uh, got through it, survived. So, yeah, did you have the flu? I had something a little flu, little stomach bug. Not really Ooh. sure, but yeah, I went uh, the weekend we actually moved. I was uh, sick as a dog. Like the actual moving day, I was sick as a dog. I was puking like crazy. Oh I went gosh. like four days without eating. It was, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. I notice whenever I get like the flu, I'm get, I know I'm going to get better the minute I want to die. Like right when I'm like, just take me now, Lord. That's the turning point. Like, ah, the, you can see the sun coming yeah. up the next day. Well, it probably can't get worse than that. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. I've been, it's weird because uh, for those that don't know, I work in a detention facility and the unit that I'm assigned to, um, one kid had the flu. And granted, we have like recycled air. So literally when one person has gotten over it, it jumps to two other people. And I've gone through about five bottles of hand sanitizer. My hands are dry from all the time washing my hand. And I haven't gotten the flu, but, like, I'll get a little bit better. Like, the decongestion, I'll get, like, you know, the congestion will go away. Um, I won't cough as much. And I'll go right back to work, and then it starts up again. So that's where I'm at. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been a rough couple of days. And then I'm back in school full time, so that's a whole other issue. But that's not what you're here for. You're here to listen to us talk about movies and superheroes and comic books. And this Sunday we have the Oscars. Mr. Mike, what are you looking forward to this? Um, I'm going to tell you, this is probably going to be pretty boring. I think um, I, th- well, I shouldn't say that. I think that, um, I think the acting categories are pretty well sewn up. Uh, okay. I don't think there's going to be any question. Um, you know, the same four people have been pretty much running the table in all of the major awards. And, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker and uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Laura Dern for Marriage Story. They've won pretty much everything. SAG Awards, Golden Globe Awards, BAFTAs. So that seems to be, those those four seem to be pretty much off the table. Where the Where the real interesting stuff is going to be this year is in Best Picture and Best Director. Um, it's really kind of a two-movie race at this point between um, 1917, 
mm-hmm. uh, Sam Mendes's uh, World War One picture, and um, Parasite, Bong Joon Ho's uh, Korean language suspense thriller. Those two films have been splitting awards. Um, although I would probably give uh, Mendez and 1917 the edge um, for a couple of reasons. One is as good as Parasite is, there's still this language barrier that it's going to be tough for a lot of voters to deal with. Um, it's going to be a question of whether or not they actually saw the movie. Sam Mendez is a, you know, he's a known quantity. He's a studio guy. He's an industry guy. He's a form. He's won an Oscar before. So, um, and, you know, Hollywood loves a good war movie. So we'll, we'll see. So I've never seen Parasite. I hear, I've heard, I've seen it on social media. I see the love that it's getting. What is this film about? Um, it's, it's a, um, it's a suspense thriller. It deals with um, with class structures um, from you know economic classes, um, people uh, people who who are uh, like poor people or, or less um, members of kind of a lower class household who plot to become employed by a wealthy family um, and set up like all these kind of fake identities and things like that to kind of work their way in and, and wow. it kind of breaks into, yes. Yeah, so, so it deals with the class issues and it deals with economic issues and it deals with all that stuff, you know, so it's got a kind of a social aspect to it. The like of uh, like uh, something like a get out. And it's, you know, it's, I haven't seen it either, but it's from what I understand, it's, it's a tremendous movie. Um, and, you know, Bong Joon-ho, he's, he's, he's known in Hollywood. I mean, a lot of people saw and love Snowpiercer. I love Snowpiercer. Um, he's done, he's done some other like horror films and slasher films. Um, so he's, he's not an unknown quantity. Um, but you know, he's no Sam Mendes in terms of Sam Mendes is like a guy everybody loves in Hollywood, you know, in, in the industry, you know, and, it's going to be um, a tough road because this is in some ways a, uh, you know, it's definitely a popularity contest of, of, of a way. So, um, and Sam Mendes is a popular guy, you know, um, people liked a lot of his films. You know, he did a couple of James Bond films. He did American Beauty. He did Revolutionary Road you know, um, among other things. And so, you know, people like him. So who votes on the Oscars? That's something I've always wondered. Like it's industry people. Okay. Um, it's, it is, um, you have to be invited to be a member of the Academy. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what happens is the Academy is split into, um, what they call branches, and depending on what you do um, in Hollywood, in the industry, you are put into a branch. So there's an actor's branch and there's a director's branch and there's a writer's branch. Um, you know, there's producers, there's uh, technical people, the cinematographers, and, you know, costume designers, the sound people, all those different awards. They have a, they have a branch. And so when it comes time for nominations, 
it is the people in those particular branches who vote for the nominations. So for instance, you know, actors vote for actors, directors vote for directors, writers vote for writers. But then once it comes to the point where you have the nominees, then the entire Academy votes. And who is voting? That's a big question because if this is, these are industry people. And a lot of these people are people who've been in the industry for, you know, 60 years. Once you're in, you're in for life. So, you know, there's the, the trope of or the idea of, uh, you know, the 60-year-old white guys who run Hollywood. Mm. Um, and that's, that's not untrue. And, you know, while the Academy has taken time over the last f- couple of years to try to be uh, more inclusive in who it's inviting, that's going to take some time to kind of work its way into the system. So it gets better every year. But that's largely going to inform, you know, how these people vote. You know, are these older industry professionals who, who dominate kind of the Oscar voting body, are they going to be into something like Parasite? Or are they going to go for something like 1917? So I just, like, I get wanting to be recognized by what's considered the, you know, the most prestigious award you could possibly win. But I don't know, it's tough. Like, you've been pushing for this organization to do it for all these years, and it doesn't even look like they want to because they they've could have done this at any moment. They potentially just have not done it. So maybe look for that recognition elsewhere. But it's tough because I know what comes with getting that award, even getting nominated for that award. You know, you, you see trailers and they'll say, you know, Academy Award winner or Academy Award nominee. So it's just a, it's a really double-edged sword. Well, the big thing is it, it, it bumps your quote. Yeah. So if you're a director and you were making, you know, $600,000 a film, you get that Oscar nomination, all of a sudden you're making a million dollars a film and you get, you know, you get a, you win an Oscar and all of a sudden you're making $3 million a film with points in the back. So, you know, it's just, and it's the same thing for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have all your, all your specialty awards and your, your BET awards. And I don't mean to disparage those at all, but they don't have the cachet that the, the Oscar, even the BAFTAs yeah. don't have the cachet that the Oscars have. And like my other issue with Oscars is like these movies win and I'm like, have them like I never heard of this. I don't care to see it. I feel like there's this elitism there where it's like the movies that absolutely a good portion of mainstream America wants to see and enjoy, they just look the other way and turn their noses down at them. I've never understood it. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely films that, you know, films like like Brooklyn or Carol or Moonlight that, you know, ninety five percent of the movie going audience is never gonna watch these films. And they get all this acclaim. And so there's definitely a bit of elitism. There's definitely a bit of, you know, oh, we're going to find the films that we're going to vote for these films that, you know, with these great social messages that nobody's really ever going to watch. There's definitely a piece of that to it. And I think I think there's quite a bit of, you know, kind of virtue signaling with that of that type with Parasite. Not that it's not a good film, but that it feels good to like Parasite. Mm-hmm. It feels good to vote for Parasite in a way that it maybe it doesn't feel good to vote for something like 1917. And I just, I want the best movie to win, the truly best film to win. 
whether it made a billion dollars or three million dollars. Just get right, and I don't think box office is really the judge of that. I mean, no one's going to argue that Transformers movie should be no, winning no, no. Best Picture Oscars. And and in fairness, what makes a a great movie is different for for different people. Art is subjective. You know, for some people, it's the story that they tell, the characters. You know, for other people, look at it as it's it's the spectacle and the wow factor and the pop when you go to the movie theater. So, you know, someone may take a look at something like 1917 and be like, oh, yeah, it's great, but it doesn't do anything. I'd rather a small, intimate story. And whereas other people are going to go, but look what it took to make this movie. Mm -hmm. And look at how how tremendous this is. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And it's beautiful. And it's the music gives me emotions. And, you know, so, you know, there's different people take different things away from movies. And I wouldn't be, I don't begrudge them that at all. No, I, I don't either. I tell people all the time, like what you like. And worry about what everybody else like, you know, be a miserable exactly. life. Exactly. Uh, uh, anything else on this, like, do you have a do you have a dark horse? Um, I think that I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a real shot. Um, only because Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. <laughs> That's funny. You, you know, and you know, it's kind of laying kind of in the background behind 1917 and Parasite, but. You know, it's a movie about making movies, which always is strong. I mean, look at La La Land. And, you know, Quentin Tarantino is becoming very respectable and he's becoming very well liked in the industry. And, you know, people think maybe he's kind of due for a little bit of recognition. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if if um, he winds up with something... Um, he may wind up with a, a screenplay, Oscar, mm-hmm. um, you know, which he's a he's a heck of a writer. So I, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, you know, I think the other kind of kind of thing is Ford versus Ferrari. And is that going to get anything? I think probably its best shot is at this point is editing. Um, you know, Christian Bale, as great as he was, he's not. He's not going to win. Um, you know, it's so I, I think the real kind of major award consideration that one has is probably for um, for editing. And it's a really well edited film. So I think there's a great shot there. Um, but other than that, no, I don't I don't think there's going to be any real kind of big surprises. I think Joker's probably going to win for score. I think Rocket Man's probably one Oscar is going to be for song, um, and then I think you're going to see 1917 do a lot of do a lot of damage. I think it's going to win. I think it's going to win Best Picture. I think it's going to win Director. Um, I think it's going to win Cinematography. I think it's going to win um, maybe one or two of the technical awards. You know, sound editing, sound mixing, something along those lines. Visual visual effects. Um, although I wouldn't count Endgame out for that. Um, but no, I don't think there's going to be tons of surprises in this this year. Okay. Cool. 
I won't be watching. I'm sure you will be. Uh, oh, you know, you know, I'll be. Yeah. And moving on, something I'm very, 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 very like jump out of my seat, excited about. We got our first look this week at what Marvel has in store for Disney Plus. Possibly the only reason I I have this. I mean, it's free from Verizon right now, but this is probably the only reason I'm keeping this thing. Once it's time for you to pay for it, or the Marvel series. What did you think about that commercial during? It was during the Super Bowl. Um, I thought it was well done, well conceived, um, certainly well timed. You know, um, people have been. You know, there's been jokes about. You know, since the Mandalorian went off the air, like people are dropping their Disney subscriptions. Not by those numbers that came out today. No, you know, I, I think that's clearly not the case. Although streaming numbers always have some question. Yeah. But I mean, you have, you know, you have Clone Wars coming out next month or the end of this month, right? Yep. Um, and you've got, you know, but you've got, you know, this lineup, you know, you got Falcon Winter Soldier in August, you got Mandalorian in October, you've got WandaVision in December. Um, Loki, when's Loki coming? That's coming in too. So, you know, there's, um, they've got a lot of stuff in the hopper and it was pretty exciting. Stuff looks good. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that that scene, you know, the shot of Sam practicing with the with the shield, you know, hitting the trees and stuff kind of gets you a little bit. Um, you know, Bucky looks good. It's, you know, looks like it's going to be uh, looks like it's going to be some fun. Um, you know, WandaVision looked weird. It looks, excuse my language, looks bat it crazy. And I'm here for it. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I don't know which way they're going. I mean, you brought up a couple of weeks ago that they're they're probably going down the House of Empath. Um, I think I it's... read I read this week that it's been confirmed that Wiccan and Speed are in it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Wiccan and Speed are uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision's twin sons. And in some versions of the comics they're looking for their mother and in other versions of the comics, including house of M she's looking for them. Um, but they've been confirmed to be in it. So that kind of gives maybe some weight to the idea that, uh, they're going some version of the house of M storyline. What do you think? So there was a, a short run called King vision and it was pretty much vision with a family of androids, whatever you want to call them. That looked just like him in like, you know, leave it to beaver style suburbia. And the black and white shots of him and uh Wanda looking like they're in uh the Dick Van Dyke show is exactly what King Vision looked like. So my best guess is they're going with the mix of House of M and this whole what, what King Vision was. I mean, especially if it's going to lead to multiverse of madness and some stuff I've been reading that, you know, we're going to see like different versions of existing MCU characters in multiverse of madness. And with the director getting fired, I've heard some other not so good things about multiverse of madness, where it's like, it's kind of like an age of Ultron where it's like, we got to cram some stuff in here to lay out the roadmap for their, this new phase or whatever we're calling it. And I just hope they do a better job than they did with Ultron. But that's like way off track. Um, 
I, whatever weird, I, I'm here for all this weird, crazy, kooky stuff. Uh, and we've both said this, like they have built up so much of a cachet that they can do whatever they want at this point. And I trust that it's going to be fine. Like everyone, I read that the director was, you know, they parted ways with the director for Doctor Strange 2. I literally just shrugged my shoulders like, okay, I'm, I trust whatever you guys are going to come up with. Granted, it also seems like Feige's walking back that whole horror movie thing, which I, I guess I can see it's still Disney at the same time, even though I'm pretty sure he's got this creative license to do as he pleases. They still got to bring these things in at PG-13. That's not to say that you can't make a PG-13 film. But when I saw Sam throw, spinning and hurling that shield, like I just welled up with pride. Like, yo, there's a brother holding that shield, and this is going to be on TV. And I'm ex- I am so excited. Um, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know how I feel about Captain America. Um, just everything the Russo brothers did with that and Civil War. I still contend that movie had no business having Stark in it. Um, but but I'm excited. I'm really excited because I've always felt like I never got a proper, you know, Captain America 3 because it was essentially like Avengers 2.5. And I feel like I'm getting that now, albeit with without Chris Evans, which which hurts. But it's like, okay, I get it. I can't have Chris Evans in it, but... I'm going to get the next best thing. I'm going to get Winter Soldier Part 2. And I can't wait. Like, I, I can't wait. I like how everything is set up. You know, we get, like you said, Falcon and Winter Soldier August. We get Mandalorian October. WandaVision December. And this is what it should have been. Because it is really dry out there. Like, you know, I can only watch so many episodes of Timon and Pumbaa with my son. Or watch Wreck-It Ralph so many times. And as much as I want to go back and watch Darkwing Duck, I saw it, you know, give me something new. And I hope going forward, and these things don't have to come out back to back, but give me a, a six, seven, eight episode series, take a month or two off and and bring something else. And then it doesn't have to be Marvel. It could be, give me a cartoon. I'll take a cartoon series or something. And I know those things are coming, but I just wish there was a little more meat there when they dropped the service. But it looks like they, they're starting to get their ducks in a row. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's a there was a ton of meat. It's just stuff wasn't things that you and I are interested in. You know, I mean, there's, you know, 50 different original series that were dropped in the beginning, you know, but I just don't care about High School Musical. And although I have watched a couple of the episodes of the, the Jeff Goldblum series, that's actually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of it. But, um... You know, so I, I think I think they've dropped a fair amount of content, but certainly it's been lacking for for especially for the Marvel fans. You know, I think Star Wars has been fairly well served, but you know, other than the movies, there's really been nothing going on for the Marvel. So this is kind of a good, you know, start. You know, you got something in the summer, you got something in the fall, you got something, you know, in December, um, and then Loki, which will probably release like January, February, March, or something like that, first quarter of 2021 i think um you know that's that's a good run and and keeps us like you said keeps us hungry keeps us looking for for more stuff um so yeah i'm kind of excited and 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 you know i i agree with you i think i think it's been confirmed that 
WandaVision is going to kind of tie into the Doctor Strange movie. I've heard rumors that kind of the bad guy in WandaVision series is Nightmare, which would tie directly into Doctor Strange. Yeah. So uh, could be could be interesting. I'm excited and I'm ready to fork over my money when this year is up. And that transitioned us into DC, who things don't look as bad as they used to be. They don't look as, as bleak over in the House of L. Are you going to be seeing Birds of Prey this weekend? Um, I don't know if I'm going to be seeing it this weekend because it's we're still kind of busy and tied up with a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, but I intend to see it fairly soon. Um, if not, you know, maybe during the week. Oh. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And so that's what leads me to, because at this point, does this f- film need to be... Okay, so what would be f- financial success for DC right now to you? In terms of in terms of Birds of Prey? Yeah. Birds of Prey? Um Because it had a budget of, I think, $95 million. Yeah, it was it was made cheap. Um, so. I don't know, 400 maybe. I mean, you know, every every everything they want everything to make. A billion dollars now. I don't know that the film's going to do that. Oh, it's not doing that. Um, you know, what, let me not say that because you know, so I, I think I think I think four or five hundred million would be a real big win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's looking to make fifty, sixty million on an opening weekend. Would that be considered um, successful over the weekend to you? I think if I think if it makes fifty, they'd be happy with it. I think if it makes sixty, they'd be over the moon with it. Um, I, I they got to make the money right, but I'm, I'm part of me is like. Do they need like a critical win at this point? Do they need the critics to be like, okay, this was this was great? I think they need that more. Yeah, I think they I think they need that more. They've taken a big beating, you know, over BVS, over Justice League, over Suicide Squad. Um, not so much for Aquaman. Definitely not for Shazam. Nope. Well, not for Wonder Woman. Um, what's that? And then Wonder Woman. And well, and you know, Wonder Woman was was a darling. Everybody loved Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, you know, I. Uh, I think if you start to, I think if this is a, a, if this is a respected film, it gets a decent Rotten Tomato score mm-hmm. um, from the critics, and it's not bashed too badly, and it does well. You know, it has a four hundred million dollar run. I think, I, I think DC's off double seeker probation. Yeah. And uh and you know they're they're kind of on their way to being respected again. Um because now you've had Wonder Woman, you've had Aquaman, you've had Shazam. That's a pretty good string of decent movies. And then and then, you know, in May we've got Wonder Woman eighty four coming out and Batman's film. You know, if that does well and that's strong, hey man, DC's back, you know? I think I think they put their sins of the past behind them. They've stepped away from the Snyderverse far enough. Um, they've stepped away from the mess of BVS. They've stepped away from the mess of Justice League. And 
and it's you know it's their game to lose again. I was thinking of saying that I was like, if this if they can pull this one off, because I was like, as we had some technical difficulties, I'm looking through the different reviews and I'm here, I'm seeing like everything has been pretty much overwhelmingly positive. You know, if they could just hit their number financially and come away with enough good reviews, then they're pretty much what? They'd be four for four for their last films, and things start to look a little bit different. I think right now it's just, it's cool to hate on DC, and it's cool to, all oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. And it's like, no, nah, these guys still know how to make movies. I just think they tried to do something that isn't them. And I'm I'm rooting for them. I want to win. You know, I was reading a quote from James Gunn and somebody had asked him on uh, Twitter, like, you know, what's the rivalry like? And he's like, he doesn't, he never got that sense working on Suicide Squad that there was a rivalry. He's like, you know, everybody should be rooting. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there is a rivalry because, you know, this is one of those um, situations where, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. Yes. you know, if comic book movies are doing well, then all comic book movies are going to do well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Marvel has more to gain from Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey being good than it does for, you know, not being good. It's not taking money out of their pockets if Birds of Prey is terrible, no. is making money. And if Birds of Prey does well, guess what? You're going to get a, a Marvel all female film sooner than you think. Yeah, of course. So it's like it's this is good for like you said this is good for everybody. I I think I think the real test for Marvel is going to be, um, Eternals is going to be Black Widow. Oh, because you know that is really the first post, yeah, Infinity Saga movie, mm-hmm. and even though it even though it technically takes place during the infinity saga timeline. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the first post infinity saga movie and it's going to be the first, you know, kind of foray into what's next for Marvel. And, um, I think that's going to be a big, kind of a big deal for them. It is. is to make sure this movie, that movie does pretty well. I'm, I'm almost more interested in seeing what that, I think birds of prey is pretty far gone conclusion. That's going to be, it's going to make money. Yeah. It seems to be getting a lot of good buzz. People love Mark Robbie. Yes, they um, do. And, you know, the other women that are in it, you know, are getting good comments about them. Um, and and it's also, you know, it also bodes well for uh, for DC, obviously. But I think, it, it, like I said, it bodes well for everything. And I think, you know, I mean, think about it. You've got Birds of Prey. You've got Wonder Woman. You've got Black Widow. Three female-led mm-hmm. comic book movies coming out this year. And, you know, that's that's going to be a big thing. That's a big turn. Yeah, it is. Uh, I hope it does well. I heard a lot of good things about Ewan McGregor's uh, his take on Black Mass. And uh, I will definitely have some things to share after I get out the movie theaters. Because follow me on Twitter, Ardell Burns. I will definitely have a lot to say about that. Um, anything before we get out of here? Uh, anything you've been watching on our hiatus? Um, I, nothing much. I've been, um, uh, I've actually been watching uh, a lot of Grey's Anatomy, believe it or not. Wow. (laughs) Going retro. Um, 
has been really much in terms of new stuff that I've been watching. Um, and I'm waiting for the new season of uh, Homeland to start, which I think starts next month. Obviously, I'm waiting for Clone Wars. Um, you know, I finished up Treadstone. Oh, I'm, I just started uh, the new season of uh, Man in the High Castle. So that just dropped. So I watched the first episode of that. Did you watch Crisis? Um, I didn't. I You know what? I started to watch it. And then I got distracted and I never got back into it. Um, it had its ups and downs, but I think the way they handled it was very well done. Uh, the yeah, ending, I, I, I watched like the first episode and then I never really got back to it. I, I like what they did. Um, they did play this. They did. I was spoiling it. They did something cool to finally put all these worlds together because they weren't all connected. Um, I I saw the pilot for Green Arrow and the Canaries. That was pretty good. I think I'm gonna. Definitely watch that. I still haven't seen the the series finale for Arrow. Um, have, have, you, have you have you watched Pennyworth at all? No, no, no. I'm not. No, I have no interest whatsoever. No, none, none at all. But DC and Marvel are both doing something really interesting in their comic books. They're doing these uh, both doing these other world stories, and I don't know if it's coincidence that they're happening at the same time. DC's doing Tales from the Dark Multiverse. Which are taking like these classic stories and giving you these really dark versions of them. So, uh, one is uh, Nightfall, in which Batman never gets the mantle back from John Paul Valley. The other one is the Death of Superman, where I haven't they're even doing, read it. They're, um, they're doing they're doing Nightfall and they're doing the Death of Superman. It's and yeah, so just and so they're also doing Crisis on Infinite Earth, but they're just literally just one offs, one book, and they tell like a very shortened version of it. So in the nightfall, Batman never gets the mantle back from John Paul Valley, and John Paul Valley pretty much turns Gotham into his own police state. For the death of Superman, Superman dies at the hands of Lois, and for Crisis on Infinite Earths, Blue Beetle ends up taking out the Justice League. Now, Marvel, on the other hand, is doing um, this series called The End, and they're like the deaths of like these major characters, so... There's the first one was Miles Morales, and it's like it's a much older version of him. Still crying, fine. He's got it looks like he's got about fifty years old. He's got all gray hair. Um, I just finished reading the Captain Marvel one, and hers was really well done. She's like pushed herself to the limit. She's like completely like silver, and she it's like the beeper goes off like it did in the End Game, but it was too late. By the time she got there, the villains and the superheroes wiped out each other. So she leaves Earth. The beeper goes off again 20 years later. She comes back and some of the children, well now they're like adults of the superheroes, they have to live underground because it's so irradiated. And she helps them take out some bad guys and they're like, the sun is dying. So what she does is she basically goes and she blows herself up inside the sun to jumpstart it, to bring life back to Earth. Um, so it, it was really, really good. So, like, I'm happy that both of these companies are kind of starting to fire on all cylinders again in the comic books because they were doing uh, not so much Marvel, but DC was just doing some really weird stuff. It was way too Batman focused for a while. And it looks like they're, they're pulling back and starting to be like, you know, we do have other characters we can play with. Yeah, the 
they were they were pushing um they were talking about the end series a lot at, at new york comic-con uh-huh. that was one of the one of the big things that marvel had in their in their hopper they had um that some of the writers there if i remember and some of the artists um and they were doing a they were doing a big push on that um so uh you know, and they've got they're bringing some big guns into that, right? Yes. So I think the, I think Captain Marvel is the first one. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Miles Miles Brown is the first one, and that one sold out that day. Like I went to my little comic shop, I got there at five, and he was okay. like, "It was too late, they're all gone," and they're they're not reprinting anything as far as he knows. Right. Well, they'll probably. I'm I'm sure they'll probably do when it's over. I'm sure they'll do an omnibus or something. Yeah, I I, I like those that first. I like to get it first edition. Read it one time and then throw it in the yeah. plastic and never take it out again. Yeah, they're doing Venom too, right? I was like, yeah, uh, he's got a really good story going on as well. And then um, what Hickman is doing with Fantas- well, uh, X Men and Fantastic Four is incredible. Um, there's one scene in, a, in a, basically the Fantastic Four about to like arrest Sabretooth. And Cyclops is like, you know, we as X-Men, we have immunity now. We have our own country. Sabretooth is a citizen of our country. We'll take him in. And he tells Reed, and he's talking to Reed about his son, Franklin. He's like, and it's about time, you know, you let Franklin know he's a mutant and he can come live with us in Kirkoa. Um, It's really good. I, I like how they're pushing Cyclops. And I saw something James Marsden said about whoever's going to play Cyclops. And the MCU goes... Whoever he goes, you know, they're going to write their own script. They're going to, but you have to let these people know that he's not a Boy Scout, you know, and and lean into that. And I really hope they do. And I, I think me and you had this conversation before. The, the Cyclops has just not been done properly. On, no, but on you got to. I mean, you got to remember he's like, not that a whole, you know, Fox X Men run before Logan. Um, you know, I mean, that was all. That was sanitized. That was cleaned up. That was, you know, family friendly kind of stuff. And if mm-hmm. you got into, you know, who Cyclops, who Scott Summers really was, who, um, you know, who Logan really was, who Mystique really was, you know, those would have been very different movies. Yeah. But. But they start, you know, I, they they st- I mean, they started to lean into it a little bit, not with those, you know, with with some of the characters in the later movies. And I and I think, you know, uh, films like Logan really kind of changed the game a little bit in showing, you know, we could we could show this side of these characters and, and you know, everybody's down yeah. for a gritty reboot now. So, um, you know, I, I think we may see in another iteration, we may see. You know, I mean, even look at even look at what what DC did with Batman. You know, in you know the Ben Affleck version of that, which which I liked you know, because I liked this idea of a pissed off, broken down, worn out Bruce Wayne who's, yeah. who's been <laughs> through some stuff for the last twenty years and is just tired of it all and cynical as hell. Um, you know. I like that, and I think that resonated really well. So, uh, you know, I could certainly see them doing kind of an older, kind of more haggard, kind of more cynical Scott Summers, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. 
I, I hope that's what we get. Um, anything before we we get out of here? No, no. I think uh, I think that's it. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens Sunday, and we'll see what happens. Uh, kind of uh, going forward with uh, with the Disney Plus stuff, but I think um, I think this is shaping up to be a pretty decent year. I think so. Um, there's a couple of movies I'd definitely be skipping out on, and we could talk about that. Um, just heads up, I will not be going to see Morbius. Uh, y'all can tell me what the post credit scene is. You're not going to see what? Morbius. Oh. Yeah, well, I know you're lining up for New Mutants, so. That too, yeah. Y'all can, y'all can tell me what the post-credit scene on that one is as well. <laughs> Folks, I'm Randall and my man Mike. And, and I'm Mike. Have a good one. Peace, Peace out.